Jay gave a little bit of a downer this morning when he said a snowstorm's coming. And, uh, and so thankfully, there's none of that happening right now, but it is coming. At least they say it's coming, but we know how sometimes that can go. But I thought I'd do something different this morning. Instead of making you think about the snowstorm and the cold and the bitter cold temperatures and weather, I, I brought something along here. Just by way of reminder about what's coming. So I want you to think for a minute with me about that great summer weather. Sun. Lots of it. Get the smell of the suntan lotion through your nose. And the smell of that freshly cut grass. Right? I want you to think about that May, June time period where we're, we're maybe all familiar with that, that when the grass starts growing, we got to start cutting, right? And uh, once you cut the grass and you get it where you think you want it, you might want to do a little bit more damage to it um, to, to manicure it, okay? So you might grab one of these suckers here, a little weed eater, weed whacker, whatever you call it, because you're going to use this to kind of fine tune that lawn, Right? So you're going to take your, your lawnmower and you're going to get the big stuff. You're going to take this to get that stuff that this won't get. And after you spend maybe hours mowing down the lawn and, and cleaning the edging off with that weed eater that we whacker, you can stand on your deck at the end of that day with some hamburgers on your grill and smelling that and look out over that lawn and think, that's what I did. <laughs> right? Get it in your head because it's coming. Now, I found something to be true, though, that once you get that lawn cut and you get it trimmed and it looks just precisely the way that you want it to look, you better snap a picture because tomorrow it's not going to look like that. Three days from that point in time, you might not even recognize what you've done. And if you even wait a week later, depending on the time of the year, you want to hide from what that lawn looks like. This morning, I want us to turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, because Paul the Apostle is writing to a group of believers who were living in a manner that was worthy of the calling that they had been called to. They had, they had followed Jesus they had a positive testimony for Christ. They were even taking care of the little things in their relationship with Christ. But here's what Paul's, here was Paul's challenge to them in the verses we're going to see this morning. He tells them about all that they're doing to this point to do it more and more. To continue doing what you're doing and do it more and more. And I thought this would be a good illustration because I want us to think every time we see a lawnmower... Every time we see a weed eater, I want you to think about how if you do not maintain and cut your grass and you let it go, it doesn't matter how good you made it look one time. It needs maintenance. It needs to be maintained. You need to do it again and again and again. And maybe even as you grow in your ability to maintain your lawn, you put other tools into the fold. Maybe you have fertilizer for your lawn. Maybe you have a sprayer to take care of all the weeds. Maybe you even have handheld, this is for really bad people, that have handheld trimmers 
that you want to be so detailed, you're getting down on your hands and knees with a handheld trimmer to cut those weeds. So should it be in our relationship with Jesus Christ. We don't just follow Christ and then forget about it. We don't just grow in Christ and then forget about it. We don't just manicure, if you will, our relationship and lives with Christ, snap a picture and let everybody know about it and then forget about it. Because if that's what we're doing, chances are our lives spiritually are looking just like our lawns physically when we neglect it for a week or more. Paul is going to encourage the believers in Thessalonica, you have been doing great, but you need to keep doing it. Don't stop. Don't end it. Continue on in your relationship with Christ. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 this morning with me as we look at verses 1 through 12. Paul writing says, Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, look at what he says, that you do so what? More and more. Okay, let's, let's stop for a minute because I want it, this is the big idea, this is the big picture, this is what I've entitled the message this morning is more and more. Don't miss what he says. I want to read verse 1 again. Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, look at what he says, just as you are doing, you're doing it, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus for this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness." Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For indeed, that is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this, what? More and more. And to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs, to walk or work with your hands as we instructed you, so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. Paul is going to remind the believers in Thessalonica, we have been encouraged by your testimony. We have been encouraged by your way of living. We have been encouraged by your love and your faithfulness and your proclamation of the gospel. We've been encouraged by all that Timothy brought back to us about you, that you are doing it, that you're remaining faithful, that you're steadfast, that you're immovable in your relationship with Jesus. Although we had concern for you that you might be tempted and that you might fall away, that's not what we've heard. We've heard that you have been faithful and you have been following Jesus. And so much so, Paul would say earlier on that the word of the Lord is sounding forth from you everywhere. Everywhere. So that we don't even need to say anything else because you're doing it. And yet, knowing all of that, Paul's encouragement and challenge to them as he's wrapping up his letter here. As he says, finally then, brothers. And listen, 
This is in light of all Paul has already written. In chapter 1, Paul writes about giving thanks to God before, before God for them because of their faithfulness. Chapter 2, Paul gives us a little bit of an inside account of, of why he was concerned for them. And how he wanted and longed to be with them, but Satan was hindered him. Chapter 3, he reminds us that Timothy brought back this great report and they're doing it. They're following Jesus. And now in light of all that, he says, finally then, brothers... Finally then, brothers, this is what I want. I want you to understand that what you're doing must not cease, but it must abound. It must be more and more. You know, it's, it's easy, isn't it, sometimes as believers to get in this mode where we think, well, I've already done that. I've already read through the Bible once. I've already shared my faith. I've already trusted in Jesus. I've already been baptized. I've already stood up for the Lord. I've already X, Y, Z, whatever it may be. And yet, how often is our attitude when it comes to growing in our relationship with Christ, maintaining in our relationship with Christ, pressing on in our relationship with our Christ, is it to sit back, sit back, take a picture, tell everybody what we've done, and then that's it. No, we need to daily regularly be pressing on in our relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul is going to call them to. And so he says it in verse 1, do so more and more. He says it in verse 10, do this more and more. He's wanting to encourage and inspire. He says, we are urging you, asking you, urging you in the Lord Jesus Christ. With the authority that comes from him, we are asking and urging you to do these things more and more. And so should it be true of you and I as believers today. The news I have for you this morning is news for you, for me, for everybody around us. We're not there yet. We've not arrived yet. There's always room for growth and fellowship in our relationship with Jesus Christ. We're not there yet. And so Paul's going to encourage them in this regard to do this more and more. So number of things he's going to encourage them with that I want to look at this morning. First, he wants to encourage them to walk to please God. He wants to encourage them to walk to please God. We've looked at it, but in verses 1 through 2, he says, Finally, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus, what? That as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you're doing, that you do so more and more, for you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus Christ. He tells them, I want you to walk to please God. Listen, if I were to encourage you with one thing coming into this next week, and it was, hey, this week, walk to please God. What might be different about your week this week than last week? Think about that for a minute. If I were to say, hey, here's what I want on the forefront of your mind and heart as you walk this next week. Walk to please God this coming week. What would you have to eliminate that was there last week? What would we have to eliminate that is part of our daily routine, maybe? What would we have to put into practice as part of our daily routine if our attitude and perspective was, okay, I need to walk to please God. We are very good at walking to please ourselves, aren't we? We're very good at that. We're very good at walking to please ourselves or walking to please someone else or others. Sometimes to a fault that we will walk to please others. But if you're walking to please others and that's not a walk that is pleasing to God, that is not something that is honoring to God. 
We need to walk to please him. Now, he's going to give a few different areas. First, he tells them to remember truthful instruction. He says, remember, as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, he says, that's how you're supposed to walk. So there's a a call back to remembering the instruction that they received. Paul reminds them, listen, you've received instruction from us, so remember that. Remember what you know to be true of God's word. Remember what you know to be true of the gospel. Remember the truthful instruction you have received from us and others. Remember when Paul said earlier on in the letter, we desired not only to impart to you the gospel, but he said what? Our very lives. Because you were very dear to us. Paul was pouring out and others pouring out their very lives for these believers as a way of instruction, as by way of example. And he says, listen, remember the instruction that you have received. All of us sitting in this room at some point in time, and if not before today, after today, this will be true for you as well, have received instruction from the word of God. How many times have we heard instruction from God's word and we're like, ooh, that's good. I'm writing that down because I got to remember that. Well, we've received instruction from God's word and we're like, wow, I really need to put that into practice. And then like it finds its way into our car or into a glove box or into a trash can and we soon forget. Remember the instruction that you've received. Remember what God has taught you. Because if God has taught you something from his word and his word is eternal, that should just not fade away for us. Remember the instruction that you've received. Remember truthful instruction. Walking to please God involves that, but it also involves following faithful examples. If you remember earlier on in the letter again, Paul would say, you became imitators of us and of God, right? He would say, you followed our example. You imitated us because we imitated Christ. You followed that example. So follow faithful examples. If you want to walk, To please God, if I want to walk to please God, remember the faithful, truthful instruction from God's word and remember the faithful examples that have been set for us that we can follow as that individual followed Christ. And Paul's going to remind them about that again. He says, you ought to walk and to please God as you're doing. You know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus in verse 2. See, it was different for these Thessalonian believers from what many people even today have seen is that they were taught directly by Paul and others the word of God, but then they also had the privilege of actually seeing that lived out before their eyes by faithful brothers that were living it out before them and faithful sisters that were living that out before them. So they not only had instruction, but they had examples. Can I encourage you to find examples of faithful walks that you might be encouraged by that, that you might be challenged by that, and that you might follow as they follow Christ. So remember that faithful instruction and follow faithful examples. And I believe what Paul's kind of overarching theme for this whole section is, is that they would not quit. That they would not quit. Don't quit in your pursuit of honoring Jesus Christ as you walk through this life. Don't quit. Don't quit that walk that is desiring to please God. If you remember earlier on in chapter 3, in verse 5, Paul said this, For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. Paul had this fear for the Thessalonian believers that possibly Satan tempted them and derailed them in their relationship and walk with Christ. 
Paul would get a positive report back from Timothy that that was not the case, but that was a fear he had. And he's reminding them again, hey, listen, you're already doing this. And we, he told them earlier, we are encouraged and we are comforted by what you are doing in your relationship with Jesus. But can I just tell you, even though you're doing that, do it more and more. That's what he's saying here. Do it more and more. Think of it. I mean, what Paul said in chapters 1 through 3, in, in my opinion, very much illustrates that like their like, lawn was neatly cut, trimmed, and in order. But what Paul's telling them is like, hey, don't neglect it. Don't stop now. Don't stop now because we know what happens when we neglect it. We know what happens when we think it's good the way it is. Three days later, there's signs of things getting out of whack. A week later, you might not even recognize it as the same lawn. Two weeks later, you're going to go and try to cut that thing, and you're going to have to do a much harder job of getting rid of the things that are there. Paul's saying, listen, you're doing it, but do it more and more. Don't stop. Don't quit. Walk to please God. You know, I, I think about it all the time. If you look at the sporting world where there's a game plan that a team is implementing and the game plan is working. If you're a fan of a sports team and the game plan's working and then all of a sudden the team quits doing what was working, you're frustrated out of your mind. You're like, what? Are, why did you change what you were doing? It was working. Or if they're doing something and it's not working and you're like, come up with a new plan, Right? When you see that happening, same is true in our relationship with Christ. If you are following Jesus and you are living a life that is pleasing to God, keep going. Keep doing it. And if you're not, it's time to change your plan. It's time to change your plan to living in a way that is pleasing to him rather than pleasing to ourselves. Secondly, not only walk to please God, but seek to be holy. Look at verses 3 to 8. He says, for this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. This is referencing just the unbeliever that does not know God, but that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter because the Lord is an avenger in all these things as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness." God's desire for the believer is to be holy. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Understand that we should be seeking to be holy. And the only possibility of that happening is because he says that he has given us his spirit that lives within us. You and I, independent of Christ and independent of the spirit of God, we cannot be holy. Can't. We've proven that. On our own, we cannot be holy. But in Christ, his righteousness has become our righteousness. Our standing before God is one in which God views us and sees us with the righteousness of Christ that we are seen as holy and blameless in his sight through Jesus. And he says, listen, you need to seek to be holy as I am holy. What Paul's calling the Thessalonian believers to here is holiness. Now, In this passage in particular, he is focusing in on abstaining from sexual sin. 
He's focusing in on abstaining from sexual sin. And he says it right here. This is the will of God, verse 3, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. Each one of you control his own body in holiness and honor. And I need to stop for a minute because, listen, that right there is a problem today. In the church, it's a problem today. It's a problem today not only for the individuals within the church. It's a major problem for leaders within the church around the world when it comes to the area of sexual sin. The discouragement, the discouragement in defeat that is so felt by so many believers when they hear another story or headline of a pastor or leader that has fallen into sexual sin cannot be overstated. And there's two sides to this because, first of all, we have to have this understanding that, that quote-unquote, men or women of God that are serving God in preaching the gospel, they are not infallible. No man or woman is beyond capability of sinning because they are infallible. I'm sorry, they are not infallible. They are not yet perfected. But it's time as believers, not only as leaders, pastors, teachers, proclaimers of the gospel, but as believers in Jesus Christ, that we are honest about the temptation to sin that is so prevalent in the society in which we find ourselves living. And we need to be all the more on our guard because our adversary wants to devour us. And Paul makes something very clear here for these believers. God's will for your life is not sexual sin. It's sanctification. God's will for your life and my life is not personal gratification. It is holiness. God's will for your life and my life, this side of eternity, isn't even our happiness. It's our holiness. And when we begin to focus more on what we think we deserve, what we think we want, what we think will be pleasing to us rather than pleasing to God, we will find ourselves wrapped up in sin and suffering the consequences that come with that. Seek to be holy, Paul says here. Abstain from sexual sin. Beware, be aware of the warning. Be aware of the warning that comes not from Paul, but from the Lord. Be aware of the warning. Do not go after it. For God has not called us, verse 7, to impurity but to holiness. Exercise self-control. This isn't only in the area of sexual sin, but this is in all areas that God's desire would be that we would exercise self-control in the way that we live, in the way that we handle ourselves, in the things that we do, in the things that we say. But seek to be holy. Can I share with you today, you cannot be seeking to be holy and be living holy before the Lord while at the same time embracing and participating in sexual sin. Can't happen. 
When I speak of sexual sin, I speak of pornography usage, adulterous relationships, sex of any kind outside of the bounds of marriage that God has designed it for, doing anything that would be displeasing to God in a sexual manner that God has forbidden and called you to remove from your life and from my life. Let it not even be named among us as saints. Seek to be holy. Now, maybe it's not sexual sin for you. Maybe it's another area of sin that when this area of self-control comes up into play, it is just not there. And that's an area that you personally, that I personally need to get a grip on and we need to handle because God has not called us to that. He's called us to holiness. He's encouraging these believers, keep doing what you're doing. Live a life that's pleasing to God. Pursue a life that is pleasing to God. Secondly, seek to be holy because the one that we're serving is holy. Number three, he wants to encourage him to do this more and more, to love one another. Love one another. Verses nine and 10, he says, now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. So listen, I'm not telling you anything new. Nothing that I'm telling you is like, man, we've never heard that before. Paul, I can't believe you brought that to our attention. He said, listen, I'm not telling you anything new. This is not new instruction for you. You've heard this. You've been taught this. You've seen it modeled. You've seen it lived out. But let me remind you again, even though you don't need to be, you've been taught by God to love one another. Verse 10, indeed, that's what you're doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this, what? More and more. This is what's incredible to me about this area of love of one another. Paul's going to emphasize first that it's from God. This is a command from God. You know, sometimes people want to tell us to do something, or they're like, hey, you should do this, and you're like, I'm not listening to that person, because they have no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> right? But how about when the instruction comes from God? We better listen. And this is what Paul's saying. He's like, listen, you don't need to be, be instructed on this because verse 9, you have been taught by God to love one another. We don't love one another because a pastor tells us to love one another. We don't love one another because mom and dad said you should love your, your brothers and sisters. We don't love one another because there's billboards that say love is the answer. That's not why we love one another. We love one another because we have been told by God to do that. And those that love God will love one another. And he says that if you're going to pursue a life of holiness and a life that is pleasing to God, this is what you need to do. You're already doing it. Not good enough. Do it more and more. Love one another, he says. It's from God. It's a mark on us as believers in Jesus Christ. It sets us apart that we know and fear God and that we are believers in Jesus when we love one another. And listen, we can always, always love more when it comes to this pursuit of loving one another in the fear of God. He says, I want you to do this more and more. He says, you are already doing it. That's great. You've done it. Listen, that's an area that you're good on, but don't stop. Do it again. Do it again. Oh, and next week, do it again. And the week after that, do it again. Do it again. Listen, there's coming a day when we no longer are going to have to try to maintain and grow 
in our relationship with God on this side of eternity. There's coming a day when our faith is going to be made sight and we will be in his presence and growing in his presence before him. But until that day, do it again. More and more. Love one another. That's what we've been called to as followers of Jesus. That's what God would desire of us. Last, he says, verses 11 and 12, to live peaceably. He says in verse 11, to aspire to live quietly, to mind your own affairs, to work with your hands as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. There's so much in these couple verses that we don't have time to go into all of the detail, but I want to summarize it. First of all, mind your own business. Okay? And, and, and so the best way I can put that, mind your own business, is don't be gossiping, don't be a busybody, don't be jealous. Don't worry about what other people have or don't have or are doing or not doing in regards to what you want. Mind your own business in business that's not yours, right? He says in the passage that we're to live quietly to mind our own affairs, right? Mind our own affairs. So mind your own business. Secondly, work hard. Work hard as a follower of Jesus Christ. May it never be said of followers of Jesus that we are lazy, May it never be said of followers of Jesus that we don't do what we do in a way that is honoring to God, including our work ethic. So work hard. And number three, maintain testimony to the lost. There are those on the outside that are watching. Live peaceably with them. Now this is not a reason or excuse not to preach the gospel. If anything, it is a reason to preach the gospel because you want them to come to peace with God as well. And if the gospel is an offense That's not on us. If we are the offense, that is on us. So mind your own business. Work hard. Maintain testimony to the lost in honoring the Lord. That's what he's called us to. He wants us to honor him in that way. So let's think about these things as we close. Live a life that's pleasing to the Lord. Seek to be holy. Love one another. Grow in your love for one another. Live in a way that is a testimony to the watching world. Live peaceably with them. So let me close with just giving four quick challenges to do so more and more. Number one, our walk to please the Lord should always be moving forward. So move forward in your relationship with Christ. Don't stand still. He's faithful. He's faithful. So be faithful. Always be walking forward forward in our relationship with Christ. Number two, our sanctification and holiness should always be growing. Be moving forward. Be growing. Be growing in your sanctification and holiness. Be growing as you set yourself apart for God's use. Get into his word. Memorize scripture. Hold it in your heart and on your mind. Serve others. Love others. Be at peace with God. Honor him. Number three, our love for God and for one another should be ever increasing. How can you love your brothers and sisters in Christ to a greater extent tomorrow than you did today? What does that look like? How can we serve one another? How can we grow together? How can we love one another? Number four, our living should always be a testimony to a watching world. Live as a testimony to the world that's watching around us. A testimony that glorifies the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know where you're at today as a believer in Jesus here. 
Maybe it's time for some maintenance. Maybe it's time to step out on the deck, look over your yard, if you will, your, your life, and identify what needs to be mowed down, what needs to be trimmed up, what needs to be manicured so that you're living a life that is holy to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's time for that. I would love if every single time every person in this room, whenever you take out your lawnmower to cut your grass or a trimmer to cut, or if you're in any store and you see a lawnmower, I've ruined that for you, that every time you see it, you think, man, I got to take care of some things in my walk with Jesus. I would love that. That's what I'm going to think of from this point forward when I see a lawnmower. Isn't it time that as believers in Jesus Christ, we live in a manner that is worthy of the name by which we call ourselves. Christians, followers of Christ. Let's do that for his glory. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your love. I pray that we would abound, Lord, more and more in all of these areas to glorify you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.